Ask me what artist I'm playing at any given moment. My next guest would be one of those artists. Uh, he's been on my podcast twice before, and he's definitely, he is, and definitely is the definition of what an artist is. Uh, this is weird because the last two interviews we've done have been in a park, so now we're actually in the studio. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen? Uh, he's just released his new album with Pete Rock, Retropolitan. He's Sky yeah. Zoo, and I'm welcome back to the Library of Tomonico. Thank peace, you for being peace. here. Peace, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, good, how both you doing? of those interviews was in, uh, both of those parks was in my neighborhood. Yes, I remember exactly, both yeah. parks that I took you to, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, second interview was with Apollo, and yep. Yep. Uh, it was Absolutely. good. Um, okay. This one guy there, every dollar I saw and wanted the summer saw. You caught Will or a winner and bet the summer's yours. From where the dialect is the duffel bag that you're gunning for. And if they handed you one and they scratch the numbers off, I'm off a different page, but I'm still a way that you So we're one year removed from your last album, Celebration mm-hmm. of Us, uh, which featured producers such as Apollo Brown, Avenue Productions, Ill Mind, and much Bunch more. People, yeah. Uh, can you talk about the mindset going into this album, Retropolitan, that's produced by, obviously, the legendary Pete Rock? Yeah, uh, the mindset was, you know, you know what Pete brings to the table. You know, his his sound, his style, his greatness, his aura, everything that he does, you know what he brings. So conceptually, you're building around that ahead of time. So even before I picked any beats, conceptually, what I wanted to do, I was already kind of building an idea and, and an identity for this album because I knew who I was about to get in the studio with. And that mm-hmm. was before I even picked the beat. You know what I mean? Because I knew what was coming with that. You go to a restaurant and it's a soul food restaurant, you know what you're getting. So you're already thinking about what you want to eat before you walk in the restaurant because you know that's where you're going. So it's the same thing, you know? Um, how did this, I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible, I think, to fans that this collaboration has actually happened. Yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, a great artist, a great lyricist, and a, and a great producer. Uh, how did this collaboration happen? Like, who reached out to whom? What right, was that right, call right. Like? Um, well, you know, Pete and I had been, you know, cool through the industry, you know, for years now. I mean, I think the first time I met Pete might have been like 07, 08 when I was young and getting into it. And we talked about working and sending beats and doing stuff. But, you know, we the moment didn't happen. You know, we had a couple moments where it almost happened and we recorded and got things together. But the moment obviously didn't happen where there was anything that really, really was out, which is him and I. Uh, but... Obviously, I grew up on him, fan the whole deal, and and he was a fan of mine and respected my work and what I was doing and my pen and always showed a lot of love when I would see him in in the street and catch up on the text. Uh, Long story short, um, it was actually Mike at uh, Mellow Music Group. It was his idea. Uh, So, again, I give you the backdrop with knowing Pete for a while because it's not like it was just – take this guy and take this guy. And it wasn't that like we knew each other and was rocking and we was fans of each other and it was love and it was all that. We just hadn't gotten together on this level yet, you know? Um, and I do a lot of work with mellow music group and it was Mike, it was Mike's idea. You know, uh, we're talking about producers and who to work with. And I knew after in celebration of us, I wanted my next joint to be one producer, one, like a one-on-one, you know, I like to go back and forth. I don't want to do album, album. I like to do album, collab album, album, Big mixtape, you know. So I knew it had to be one producer, and Mike was like, "Yo, what's up with Pete?" And I was like, "Yo, of course." I didn't even yeah. think about it, and um, you know, we hit Pete, and Pete was like, "Absolutely," you know what I mean? Like, absolutely, we're overdue. And then that's kind of how it all came together. Oh, uh, before we get into the album, um, you know, obviously you said you're a fan of Pete's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that first track that you know? Do you remember that first track ever by Pete? That kind of oh, back in the day, away? um, yeah. Troy. Definitely Troy, you know, and I think I might have been 11 or yeah. something like that, <laughs> 10, 11 years old. Um, Troy, for sure. Is that an album, is that like a track that you've always wanted to like spit on or is it? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Beats like that and 
Down with the King remix and you know what I mean, uh House of Pain remix and obviously the world is yours, I always say is the greatest beat of all time. You know, I've I've said it on record. I say it every night on tour at mm-hmm. my show. It's a part of my show where I talk about it's the greatest beat of all time. I've told Pete, you know, in the studio with him. Yeah, so all those beats, I mean, he's who he is, man. He's he's right. GOAT, you know what I mean? Uh, back to the album. Uh, Retropolitan is a love letter and a kind of a wake up call for New York City. Yeah. Um, you, you live in Atlanta now. Yeah. Um, how is your, or has it, your perception of kind of New York changed since you've moved away from it? You know, that was the beauty with making this album with the concept because everything I'm saying is like all the things I'm talking about are part of why I was like, yeah, I'm gonna make a move. And it, it would never take anything away from me being in New York. I mean, I could be away from New York for 100 years. There's no way somebody who's not from the city is going to be more New York than me. I don't care what. Like, somebody from out of town can move to New York right now and live there till they're 80. You still won't be more New York than me. You know what I mean? Like, I am a New Yorker, 1,000%. You know what I mean? So I could live anywhere in the world. I'm a New Yorker, you know? Um, But putting this album together and a lot of the things I speak about with gentrification and the changing of the city and the culture and really about the city – me leaving is a testament to it. It's like everything I'm saying is like, see, here's why, you know what right, I mean? Right. It's a testament to it, but I'm still here all the time. I'm here now. Obviously I'm, I'm here every couple of weeks, you know, work stuff, family stuff, whatever, whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I was just able to do the things I wanted to do family wise in Atlanta, you know, and I never really announced it like that, but, um, yeah, I, I was able to do the things that I wanted to do family wise in Atlanta. Do you think if you stayed, and recorded this album, it would be a different sound no. to it? No, because I recorded it in New York. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he emailed me beats and I did it in Atlanta. I came to New York for two weeks and did it. You know, I, we did the whole album in two weeks. If you know me, this is quick. Right. You know, I, I do this very quickly. So um, we did the whole, I think it was about 12 days because we had two off days. And we did the whole album in 12 days. So. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, first track on the album, uh, Glorious, yep. uh, starts with an interview with, I think, Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have Mr. Davis essentially saying that there are books written about him. They're all wrong. Right. And he's going to write his story. Right. Um, and appreciation and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Is that what has been the the biggest, uh, I guess, un- untruth or mm-hmm. told about you and your career that kind of makes you want to be like, all right, I'm Sky Zoo. I'm going to write my story. I don't know if it's an untruth, but an unspoken truth. I would say, um, you know, I mean, I feel like my name is synonymous with underrated because I've heard that more than anything in my entire career from 2006 on. I've The word underrated was like attached to me. It's right. like if it's tattooed on me. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's been about people getting it, knowing they'll get it later because this stuff I've done years ago that people get now, like this stuff, you know, this year is the 10 year anniversary of the salvation, uh-huh. ironically. So, you know, my debut joint, 10 years, and there's people who still talk about things that they're getting off that album now, and that was 10 years ago. So knowing that the clock has to tick, like, yeah, what I'm doing, oh, you heard it, you got it, you, I promise you, you didn't really get it, you know? There's people I know personally that get it, where they'll break it down to me, and I'll be like, wow, you got it, like, right away. Right. You know, there's a dude in Australia, he's a, a huge fan and supporter and he would always tweet me, and it got to the point where when I was in Australia, I was on a tour, and, and we got cool. He came to show, and we got cool and stuff, you know, to where I right, take my email, and, like, he'll hit me, and he always gets it. I don't know how, but he always gets it. Everything I'm talking about, all these triple entendres, 
He breaks it down and he's like, yo, you're the greatest man. And here's why, because you said this and this and it meant that. And I'm like, yo, you got it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how did you really? All right. Word. You know, so that's awesome. So it's the underrated thing, but I'm, I'm cool. I'm okay yeah. with that. You know, cause the ones who get it, they get it, you know? And like Pete, when we was making this, he was like, dude, like, he was like, yo, you're one of the greats, bro. Like listening to this thing, he was like, you're one of the greats, man. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. If they didn't understand before, they're going to understand now, you know, and I did that in 12 days, that's you know crazy. what I mean? So that's just a part of the blessing, I guess. You know, I, I don't take it lightly. Uh, you said, uh, doctor said I couldn't make miles until I made miles. Yep. Uh, what has been Miles Davis's impact on your career or as on you as an artist? Oh, that line was about my son. You said his name Miles? Yeah. Things I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That line was about my son. I named my son after Miles Davis. Uh, that line was about my son. When I said, doctor said I couldn't make miles until I made miles. Um, that was just giving people. Not the guy in Australia. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was just um, some super personal information, um, which people are going to ask now that when the album's out. Um, I was told by doctors that I wouldn't be able to have kids. You know, um, trying to have a kid, you know, with my lady, with my wife. I was told I wouldn't be able to have mm. kids. You know, the doctor did a million tests and it was like, it's not going to happen. You guys should look into adoption, uh, IVF, all that type of stuff. We did all that, and it was like, it's not going to happen. Wow. And then it happened on its own. You know what I mean? No IVF, no IUI, no nothing happened on its own. Wow. So it was all God. You know what I mean? Like, so that was, why, that was why I said doctor said I couldn't make miles until I made miles. You know, so that, that was all. Oh, nice. Yeah, but back to Miles Davis. Um, Miles Davis, my favorite artist of all time in any genre of music, him and John Coltrane. I named my son Miles after him. I listen to Miles Davis every single day, 365 days a year. Um, yeah, I'm a Miles Davis stan, connoisseur, super duper fan. Like, I mean, I'm a jazz head. If you know me, I'm a jazz right. head. And Miles is my guy. Along with, some, I could rattle off a million names, Lee Morgan, Wayne Shorter, uh, you know, the Deloney's mug. We can go on and on and on. Stanley Turrentine, we can go on and on. But Miles Davis is my guy. Uh, the track, uh, uh, Carry, Carry the Tradition. Yeah. Uh, featuring Styles P. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to dis- dem- demolish your lyrics, but, uh, <laughs> so I apologize. But, uh, um, no, you're good. Uh, you know, you, you be getting it too. When we do the interviews, you be getting it. Sometimes. You be saying stuff, you be getting it. I, f- I fake it. I fake it really well. uh, So you said, uh, my aura been the same as you thought, like who th- you, um, as you thought, like who you think for an era when you t- turn up the, the nerve to loot, it brings, uh, then you talk about Miles Davis again, mm-hmm. right? You talk about, you reference right, right, Miles right. again. So there's another Miles reference, um, yeah. which, and you explain why, you know, obviously the impact Miles has had in your career and yeah. you as an artist. Um, can you just break down this kind of these these lyrics for us and the, you know referencing Cuban links? Uh, so my aura been the same as you thought. Like who you think from an era where you turn up the nerve, the looter brinks. So right there, I'm just saying like my aura is just as you thought it would be if you know all of my other music and you heard all my other like I haven't changed. Like my aura been the same as you thought. Like who you think? Like who'd you think I was? I'm exactly who you thought I was based on the music you know of me. And I'm from an era where you turn up the nerve to loot a Brinks, meaning like you get the courage to do something so wild, like loot a Brinks truck, like which means sticking up a Brinks truck, right. like from an era where you had that type of courage to go get it. So I'm really just talking about an era and a time frame where you just went out and got it. Like, yo, I'm here to get it. You know what I mean? Like whatever it takes. And it was no holes barred. So I'm just saying I'm from that era, you know, back when it was word for word with Cuban links, back when it was 
you could say the you could recite that whole album word for word. So I'm really just painting the picture of an era. Right. A 95, 96. I'm really just painting the picture of an era with the, that whole four bar stanza. You know, um, back when it was word for word with Cuban links, and I became Miles Davis meets whoever style Ray, and I decoded how he say, and I just keep going. So what I'm saying, the impact that that album that Cuban links had on me and and the whole generation and the era. You start dressing like Ray, you start wearing a bunch of low and, you know, all that. But I'm saying I'm still, I'm still Miles Davis, but I'm also on my Ray vibe. So I'm, I'm just putting those two energies together. Like I'm into this and I'm into that. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I was into this and into that. So that's, that's all I was saying in that four bar package right there. Why did you go back? I mean, for this album, why go back to that era? I always do. All my music, I always do. You know what I mean? My next project, I'm going to be talking about that. That's just my thing. You know, you got some guys, all they talk about is how much money and jewelry you got, they got and how much coke they got rid of, and that's cool. Yeah. You got some guys, all they talk about is, man, I, I wish it was, you know, 89 and we were still breaking. That's cool. You got some guys, all they talk about is, you know, power to the people, which I love. That's cool. You got some guys, all they talk about is chicks. That's cool. I talk about my neighborhood how people from outside of my neighborhood relate to it or understand it or find themselves in it. My music's always been a big sociology project. It's always been a sociology course. And so, yeah, I'm, I always talk about that era. I always talk about the era that raised me and the similarities and differences and changes and things that stayed the same and why, and the people moving in and the people that moved out and the changing of the culture and how it affects us and how if you live here and you live here and you have your father and you don't have your father and you have your mother and you don't, and how those things shape us as a people in, in this country and in, and in this culture. Uh, the track truck duels yep. uh, features P rock. Mm-hmm. He, sp- he spits in the third last verse, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, a verse that really is powerful for me is the second verse of that, which with oh, uh, visions be everything until it got it's until it's out of reach. That verse, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what and 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 words or names that really st- stand out to me as well. You mentioned Common, you mentioned mm-hmm. Huey, you mentioned uh, Eric Gardner. Mm-hmm. You say uh, spang rounds at your goat until your 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 view gets bigger. Um, mm-hmm. Can you just kind of break down the importance of the names I mentioned, Common, yeah. Huey, and Eric Gardner, but then yeah. also that line, spraying around your goat until your view gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Kind of break all that. Yeah, that, that, when I wrote that, I, sometimes when you write, so like as an artist, anything you put out, you're supposed to be happy with it, right? So you like everything you put out. That's the way it should be, or else you shouldn't put it out. But sometimes as an artist, or even as a producer, you'll have those moments where you're like, ooh, like that, ooh, ooh, that was one. Like So that line... That little pocket right there, those like four bars that you're talking about, um, spraying rounds at your goat until your view get bigger, same rounds that was loaded in a Huey picture. When I was pinning that, I was excited. I was like, ooh, I can't, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> like pin moving, you know what I mean? Like pin was really moving on that. Um, that does some of my favorite lines on the album. Um, that second verse, like you said, yes. you know, that that's some of my favorite work on this album. And, uh, yeah, you know, spraying rounds at your goat until your view get bigger. Whoever you think is the goat and whoever's your favorite, I'm trying to give you a bigger perspective of what to look at and consider to be your favorite. Like, I got that. See, I knew that. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I'm saying, like, like, he's not talking about the animal. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, yeah, I'm like, you know, spraying rounds at your goat until your view get bigger. Like, and that's not about one particular artist who you may think is a goat. Nah, whoever, as a listener, if you listening, whoever you think is the goat. I'm killing him 
to make sure you got a better view of what else is out here. Like, dad, you know what? Skazoo could be my goat, mm-hmm. but I, my, my view wasn't big enough to even pay attention to that because I'm so focused on this, which is in front of me every day in the mainstream, or I'm focused on this because I'm told this is supposed to be the greatest of all time, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Insert any artist right there, whoever, you, and that's just me bragging, just talking, but you know, then I bring it back around with the whole same rounds that was loaded in the Huey picture, like Huey Newton on the chair, boom, boom, with the, you know what I mean? Same rounds that, so it, it's, you know, and then it, it keeps going and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But Eric, I mean, if you talk about Eric Gardner. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, one of my very close childhood friends who I've known since I was like 11, went to multiple schools together. He's from Brooklyn. Um, that's his cousin. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we talk about Eric Gardner a lot. Rest in peace. Uh, my man Foof, that's his cousin and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, regardless of the sort of connection to him that my friend is, you know, close cousin to him. Um, I mean, that's something that impacted and affected everyone. You know, we're dealing with the aftermath of what happened with the police officer and all that nonsense. And, you know, that's something that impacted everyone. So I just wanted to touch light on it. You know, the heart of Eric Garner, like just I just want to show a little love. You know what I mean? So I'm talking about me as an artist and me as a man and what I do, you know, sparring out of Sparta. You know what I mean? Like if I'm in the ring or whatever it is, if we there and we sparring on this mic again, I'm just talking. That record is me just kind of getting busy. You know, there's moments in there where there's jewels dropped here and there, but that's just one of them getting busy records. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, sparring out of Sparta, obviously Sparta 300, yeah. whatever the heart of Eric Garner, you know, I'm just saying like having that much heart to be a stand up individual and do whatever for your family, stand on two solid 10 toes down and God forbid something like that happens. But, you know, taking on the world, you know, if need be, you know, and, and that, so that was what I'm talking about, the heart of Eric Garner. Do you ever, uh, speaking of Eric Garner and actually what's happening in the climate now, the political climate, yeah. um, do you ever feel the pressure that you need to, as an artist, you need to speak out more politically? I mean, do you? Yeah, I, I, I drop it in records. Again, a lot of it is tucked, but I drop it. And a lot of in celebration of us was about all that, right. you know, like even on a record like, you know, Crown Holder, where I said, you know, I talked about Kaepernick. You know what I mean? So if I'm seated, I'm I'm Kaepernick. You know, right. if I'm still seated, I'm Kaepernick. Like, um, oh man, I'm 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 drawing a super blank because we're talking about this album. But uh, Black Sambo, the whole song is about police brutality. Right. You know what I mean? So like, I do get into it for sure. But I've never been the preach guy where you know, and and I love some of the I hate to use the word preach, but I love some of the music that really just directly just boom that's what you're going for i love that i grew up on some of that stuff you know what i mean but i've never been the guy to approach it from that angle my approach has always been storytelling in the sense of how those moments affect someone like me from this neighborhood where all you know is this neighborhood but your view is bigger because of having both of your parents in your life so there's this duality and dichotomy in there and if that makes sense and a lot of those different things that come together and keep apart so i've always talked about politics and things like that within that you know it's always been kind of woven through in a certain way uh do you see yourself um with trump being the president he is Mm -hmm. uh do you see yourself kind of weaving more um yeah if 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 it calls you know if if the story i'm writing is that because for me i mean obviously he's a horrible human being and and this is all a mess, and this is something that this country should be embarrassed about right now and will be embarrassed by later when, if you're talking, you know, 40, 50, 60 years from now in the history books, you're going to be like, dang, that, really, that happened? Yeah. Like, that, that's where we are. Like, that's what's, what it's going to be. Um, for me, like I said, the storytelling that I do is about 
this certain thing and how these things change us and made us and whether he was around or not. And then him being around just intensifies it and makes it even worse on so many levels. And the scary part is, you know, when you have a child, you know, like when it's just you, you feel invincible, like you know what's going on yeah. and, and you know the reality of it and, and the impact that it can have and that it does have. But you're only worrying about yourself and you're like, I'm good. I could take care of myself. And the moment you have a seed, it's like, yo, like everything changes because you want to protect them from Every single thing. Like, I wish I could be around my son until he's, like, 80. Like, everywhere he goes just to make sure he's all right. right. But obviously that's not going to happen. And it makes me ask my parents, like, I ask my pops, like, how did it feel, like, letting me walk out the door to go do whatever? Like, I was outside running around. Like, you hear it in my music. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I grew up both parents, you know, had everything I wanted in life. But, you know, we still lived in certain neighborhoods, and my friends still did X, Y, Z, and I was in the mix. And, like... I grew up like going outside every single day, like, and all the things I talk about is from that. And I'm like, how did you feel like being okay with me walking out the door? Like, you know, I'm so worried. And my parents are like, yeah, we were worried too, but we knew you had to grow up and turn into a man. So go ahead, go outside, go ahead, you know, just be back in the house by such and such time. You know what I mean? And make it home. Right. The whole thing was make it home, make it home safe. Whatever you do, Make sure you make it home, you know? And I'm just like, wow, man. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I mean, good thing he's only a year and a half. I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, not walking outside. Yeah. Right. I'm not ready to, to go. Go ahead. Like, I'm not, I'm not yet, you know? <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I, I grew up in you know, I grew up in Washington Heights in the 80s. My parents <laughs> yeah. let, let me walk around the That's house. That's Outside by myself yeah. and back in. The Heights in the 80s, forget it. The only it. way that, like, we were safe is when we would go make our make our whatever, we were going to a friend's house, and we would call back. So it's before cell phones, obviously. Right. And we would let the phone ring three times and then hang up. I'm like, how is that a system that works? That's like crazy. Now I'm just like helicopter parent. Like, right, you know, right, right, right. No, it was crazy, away. man. It was a lot of faith. Parents just had a lot of faith yeah. in Trust everything in working out. Yes. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, go, going back to the track, uh, you know, Pete Rock spits on this track mm -hmm. as well. Uh, what – he doesn't spit much, but when he does, he – yeah, he's, he's good. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, was there something that surprised you about his rhyming ability that you just didn't like? Not surprised me because you know he he's sprinkled verses throughout all throughout his career. You know, Soul Survivor and, and all those different things. Um, he, he sprinkled all throughout his career, man. Um, the verse was super dope. You know, when he did it, I was like, damn, yeah, Pete got off. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, I loved what he did. I told him ahead of time. I was like, when day one in the studio. I was like, bro, got to get you on the album for sure. I don't know what record yet, but you got to do a verse. And he was like, hell yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll do a verse. Hell yeah. We got to do that. And then, you know, he knocked it out. And, um, yeah, verse is crazy. I love his verse. What, what did you, uh, by putting him on this track, mm -hmm. what did you want him to add to it? Or what, what, what does um, he add to it? The beat sounded like such a Pete Rock beat because, if you know Pete, he loves soul, obviously. He loves 70s black exploitation movies. Like, he loves that stuff. And I love all of it, too. Obviously, he was there for it. He, to see those movies, I had to see them later on on right. videotape. But uh, he loves those types of movies. And that beat sounded like that. It sounded like Shaft or, you know, Cotton Come to Hall. Like, it sounded like one of those. So I was like, if he going to be on a joint, it got to be this one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, the beat for uh, It's All Good, which is the single that mm -hmm. came out, uh, you wrote on uh, Instagram, 
you talked about it, it was created, or Pete told you it was created during kind of the Illmatic In 94, yep. Uh, once you heard that, mm-hmm. once someone says to you, obviously, I created this beat that was, while well, I was working out one of the greatest albums. Right. You know, uh, what does that do to you as an artist? Like, where does that creative, what does your creative process, like, does it go somewhere else because there's this pre- kind of quote-unquote pressure of 94? It didn't for me on that because I knew I wanted the beat before he told me when he made it. Oh, okay. Nice. You know, because when he pressed play, for me, I'm the type of artist, like, I could tell in the first 10 seconds if I want the beat. Like, I, I can't really be sold on a beat. It's not like I'm listening, like, yeah, that's not bad. You know what? Yeah, let's let's do it. I'm not that artist. Mm. I know right away. I'm like, oh, that's a keeper. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I want that. I know in 10 seconds. So when I heard it, as soon as it came in, I was like, yo, that's a keeper. Yeah. I was like, that's happening. You know what I mean? And I knew it would be the single because I, I knew what people wanted from Pete and I when they saw our names together. I was like, when people find out this is happening, the first thing I want them to hear is what they came for. Like, if you go to a restaurant and, and you're expecting this and you don't get it, it's like, huh? Yeah. If you go to a restaurant and it's exactly what you expected, you're like, absolutely. You know what I mean? It was a wonderful experience. So I wanted the first thing people heard to be exactly what they expected when they saw my name and his name together on the card. And um, so when I heard the beat, it said that. Right. I was like, oh, that's that. So I was like, that's going to be the single within 15 seconds. And then he told me what was up. And I knew it was older because he came from the SP. Hmm. And I was like, yo, we got to pull the SP out, bro. Like, I know that's you you doing that right now. You you know, dropping a lot of SP stuff. I got to get some SP stuff on his. <laughs> he was like, yeah, of course. So he's loading up. He pressed play. And, so I knew it was old because of the SP. But I didn't know when it was, you know, what the whole story was. And after I picked it, he told me. He was like, yo, you know, the thing about that beat is I made it in 94. Then he starts. To, and I was like, yo, that's wild. But it didn't. Make it didn't make me say, Yo, I gotta go even harder now. Right. Like, nah, I'm gonna go just as hard regardless, you know what I mean? But it was just cool to know that that it came from 25 years ago with that energy, but sounds like it was made yesterday, right? Timeless, and that's timeless, the best yeah. thing about it. It doesn't sound like, oh, yeah, it ain't hot now, it would be hot back then. No, it's like, yo, that yeah. beat is nuts, and that's just a little bonus on top. But when you're writing, are you are you writing? Do you have the song concept in your mind prior to the getting the beat or do you wait for the beat and then you kind of get that? No, I usually have ideas ahead of time. Sometimes well, the beat always speaks to me, but um, the beat always tells me what to do. But I'll have concepts. I never write ahead of time. I write to the beat. I don't sit and write at home and find a beat for it later. Like ever. Everything is on, on the spot in the studio. You can send me beats right now. If my session is next week. I may listen to the beats and be like, yo, these are dope. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. But I'm not thinking about writing a single line until I'm in the studio and then I go. Uh, But I'll have concepts. I'll have ideas. This album was a little more loose as far as walking in with ideas. I knew kind of where I wanted to go because, like I said in the beginning, it was Pete. But it was a kind of a blank canvas outside of that element. It was kind of a blank canvas once it all just started coming together. Certain ideas, like I had the idea for Richie. I had the idea for 10 Days, uh, Eastern Conference. Other than that, it was like a blank canvas. I just knew the mode and the zone I wanted to be in and the vibe that I wanted the album to be because it was me and Pete. Mm. But it was a blank canvas. I want to go back to just uh, talk about the Illmatic and, and, and just trying to think of like you as an artist. If you 
you know, Illmatic, obviously, arguably one of the greatest albums Absolutely. of all time. Without, um, without a question. And you kind of answered it earlier because you said the, the, your favorite or you think the best beat of the album is... Um, best beat in the world. Best beat in the world. But if you were a fly in the wall during, during this session mm-hmm. and, and, and you got to see the creation of, of two tracks, mm-hmm. uh, which would those two tracks be? Oh, if you could pick? Uh, just the whole process. If you said, like, oh, fly on the wall, you could pick two tracks to watch the creative creation, process yeah. of? Um... It doesn't necessarily just have to be the beat. It also could be like right, right, the whole thing. Yeah, the whole yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking more along those lines. Richie and uh, probably one time. Yeah, Richie and one time. Richie's the first record I did on the album. Right. You know, like when I recall, I don't, I don't really do it in order. I'll have the story in my head, and I'll know. Okay, track one, I want to do this. Track two, that. I'll have everything kind of mapped out in my head as far as concepts and stuff normally but it doesn't mean today we're going to do track one tomorrow we're going to do track i may it just depends on what mood i'm in that day or what beat i want to write to so richie was the first record i wrote and recorded for the album and that's like track eight i think seven or eight something like that um but that was the first record i recorded for the album uh one of my favorite records on on the album it's just loaded loaded with the story and what i'm talking about and obviously it's a play on the track before it, which is 10 days, like those two go hand in hand. It's like part one of the story and part two of the story. Um, but yeah, Richie's one of my favorite records on the album. Uh, going to Penny, Penny Jersey's. Another one of my uh, absolute favorite records great, on the album. Amazing. Great track. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Obviously reference. Cause of what I'm talking about. Yes, like, you know what I mean? That's why it's one of my personal favorites. It's also to reference the, the Penny, Penny Hardaway. Absolutely. Um, what's, I was a Tim. I was a huge Tim Hardaway fan. So okay, I, I, the Hardaway trackline. But uh, that being said, what what's the importance of like why Penny Hardaway to you? For me, uh, Penny was my favorite player growing up. You know, I'm a diehard Knicks fan. But when you're a kid, you follow the player. So I followed the Knicks, of course, because that was in my blood. But as a player, I was all about Penny and Magic jerseys and USA jerseys and the Penny sneakers, the Penny hat play ball like Penny. I, I'm right-handed, but I would come up with the left, put the wristband right here. I'll come up with the left, and then I'll cross, and then I'll throw at that. Everything was Penny for me growing up, like a lot of people. Um, but bigger than that, Penny represents a generation, and it represents an era. Hmm. So that's why I always reference Penny and stuff. Like I was working on some music today, and I threw a little bit of Penny in there. Like Penny represents a generation and an era. It represents a time. You know what I mean? It's it's like how Magic represented a certain time. Jordan represented a certain time. Penny, LeBron's going to represent a certain time. With Penny represents an, an era. And it may have been this big. It may have been like a, a four-year span. But that era was unstoppable. Mm. You're talking 94, 95, 96. You're talking that era was unstoppable. You know what I mean? 93, 94, 5, 6. Some of the greatest years in life. Forget hip-hop. Right. In life. Just everything from movies, music. What was going on in the world? Fashion. Nothing's better than 95. You know what I mean? Like 94, 95. Those years, I'd pay good money to go back to from 94 to 96. Good money to go back right now. You know what I mean? So Penny represents an era. And um, he, he ran the world at that point. You know, if you was in the hood, you was pennied out. Right. Yeah. And maybe even if you wasn't in the hood, if you was in the burbs or whatever, it, you know, it, it obviously was that way too because he was a huge superstar. But in the hood, Penny ran it. 
everything was penny. And that's why I told on that record, my whole block was in penny jerseys. You know what I mean? Like, so I had mine. I was one of the first ones, like I talk about on the record. But then before you knew it, everybody had a jer- penny jersey. Everybody had penny ones. Like, that was it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't got no penny. What? Like, he had the hardest sneakers out. I mean, you don't got no pennies. You crazy? Like, that was what it was, you know? Uh, at the end of the at the end of the record, uh, you have Magic Johnson right with the skit, yeah. And and he's and one thing that stands out, he says he's talk about someone that can do it all. Mm-hmm. Are you referencing um, you as an artist as someone that could do it all? Like the are you the Penny Hardaway of hip hop or more of the I wouldn't gener- say generation the pen- of yeah, I wouldn't say the Penny Hardaway of hip hop only because you know he um, he didn't get the rock as long as he wanted to as amazing as he was. He didn't get the rock as long as he he didn't get what he deserved career wise and. As far as all that, because he really, I mean, the respect is still through the roof on him, but, you know, he really was a, a different guy. Um, so I wouldn't say that, you know, the penny of rap, but um, doing it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doing it all. 100%. That's just something as an artist, you're supposed to feel that way about yourself. I would hope so. You know what I mean? Uh, Eastern Conference All-Stars features yeah. Westside Gun, Conway, Benny the Butcher. That was uh, uh, another yeah. incredible track. Thank uh, you. Three of those guys, Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. MCs. What do you, uh, what do you think's in the water in Buffalo that is kind of creating oh, this man. powerhouse of MCs? You know, the thing about down. those guys, and and Buff is an awesome city, and and they got a lot going on. Those those guys, those guys are family. Like Benny's West cousin, you know what I mean? Like yeah. those guys are family. You know what I mean? They've known each other since they was like five. Like you know what I mean? So it's 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 just something that was that was long overdue and that was coming. But Buffalo as a city, like they're rocking, you know, a lot of times some of the best art comes from situations that needs art to represent it mm-hmm. because of what they're going through. And if you know, Buffalo, Buffalo's for real, you know, Buffalo, you think upstate. So I was upstate. Nah, Buffalo's for real. Yeah. Like Buffalo's East New York. You know I mean? Buffalo's for real, you know? And so a lot of times some of the best art comes from those types of situations of, you know, undeserved despair, you know, that city don't deserve that. No city deserves that. But a lot of times some of the best work comes from that because you just need an outlet and you're able to create and you see things a certain way. So I love what they're doing, man. You know, those, that's my fam. That's literally like my family, you know, like I'm with Wes almost every day. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if I'm home, I'm, I'm at his crib. He at my crib. Like that's fam. Conway is fam. Benny, Darren, those guys is fam. You know what I mean? Like 150%. So I just love seeing it. How did the, well, one, how did the track come together with with those four guys? But also, like, you know, Eastern Conference All-Star means it's a lot of pressure. To, right, you know, right, right. You're like, All right, who's going to be these right. you know, these four? Um, I just had the idea of, like, a, a super posse cut. And um, I was like, yo, we, it'd be dope to have a huge posse cut. I don't think I've ever had a huge posse cut on my records outside of myself and my brother Torre with Sean Price and Guilty Simpson, you know, on Bauer Brothers. That was an awesome, huge posse cut. But I was like, yeah, like, you know, a nice, crazy posse cut would be dope, which is head spitting, you know, with this type of album. Pete, that's something people would like. Yo, Pete Rock's guys, oh, snap, everybody going crazy. So when I thought of it, I was like, yo, what if it was like five of us? I had to settle on a number, and I was like, what if it was five of us? And that's where the Eastern Conference, oh, starting five, Eastern Conference also. That's cool. We're all from the East Coast, you know, Elzai's Midwest. But if you look at it in sports, Detroit, so that's yeah. all East. I was like, that's dope. And you know me, I, I'm, I always come up with my titles first. So I'll have a bunch of song titles written out in my phone. And I had Eastern Conference also. I was like, that's just a dope title. You know what I mean? You get five of us on a record. 
and boom, 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 it just came together and, and it rocked. We did it all over email. Um, you know, we all emailed it to one another. I actually engineered West session. So like I recorded Wes, um, cause he had the, the setup in his crib and he never engineered handy. So I ran the session when he recorded his verse. So that was cool. But, um, cause I'm, I'm a pretend engineer. I don't really know what I'm doing, but <laughs> I did good enough to get the verse done and it came right. out dope. But, um, yeah, we did it all via email, but it was, you know, I hit everybody ahead of time. Like, so here's everyone who's going to be on the record. Just so everybody's in the clear. And every, we had all, obviously those guys are fan. And then Elza, they had all worked with Elza before. So it was, it was a layup. It wasn't going to be any type of reservation. Everybody is fam and everybody rocks with each other. And I just let everybody know, yo, so the record is me, you, him, him, him. All right, worry, worry. Yeah, that's going to be nuts. I got you. Let's do it. And, you know, everybody started emailing their verses in and all that. How did you pick order? Oh. Um, I knew Wes would end it with the way he ended it. I knew I was going to start it because I I just sent it. The way I sent it off, it was my verse, and I sent it to everybody to kind of follow the lead. Um, And then after that, it kind of was just what made sense, just playing with it a little bit and what made sense. You know, if you know Benny, for instance – like, Benny don't really do 16. You know, like, Benny goes. He just writes until he doesn't feel like writing anymore. So, like, we all did 16. That Benny's verse is 24. You know, like, that's just how he rhymes. If you listen to his albums, they'll just go off for, like, 100. And then, boom, I'm done. You know, and that's awesome. That's hip-hop. You yeah. know what I mean? So, it was part of that, okay, so I'm here. Let's put Benny here because his verse is 24. Khan come back in with 16. It was kind of that thing. I knew I was started. I knew West would end it because of the way... West ended his verse. I was like, that'd be dope to close it out. Mm-hmm. And everything else kind of just flew in there organically. Uh, the last track, uh, Audacity of Dope. Yeah. Uh, great title. Thank you. Uh, thank you. That actually, I got to give uh, credit where it's due. Uh, my man DJ Hyphen in Seattle, uh, he had a radio show called The Audacity of Dope years ago. And um, it was like an underground radio show. He's one of the first people to play my record all the way in Seattle. And his radio show was called Audacity of Dope. And uh, I was just thought it was a cool title, a cool name. And when I was working on that record, you know, it was one of those records where there's no hook. It's just me going off for like, you know, I don't know, 60-something bars, whatever it is, going off for a long time. And um, I was like, yeah, that would be a dope title. You know what I mean? So that's shout-out to DJ Hyphen. That totally is something he created a while ago. Yeah. Why Why leave us with that, like, just straight no hook? Um, I like doing that. You know, my intros are usually one verse. Uh, a lot of my albums, the intro is just one long verse. Um, I just had a lot to say. When I heard the beat and what it's saying, you know, the, the sample, I got my eye on you, it's true. And that's why I started all three of them, yeah. all being one and the same is all I need from it. Because the sample says, I got my eye on you, it's true. Right. So I'm saying, yeah, I got my eye on you, all three, one, two, three. You know what I mean? So, And people may not catch that because the sample, they're not thinking about what the sample is saying. But that's why I started it the way I did. I just had a lot to say. I knew that beat would end the album. I liked the way it sounded. I was like, this would be the, the perfect beat sonically to close the album out with. And I just went off. It ain't sound like a beat that needed structure. Verse, hook, verse, hook, outro, bridge. It didn't sound like it needed any type of structure. It just was... The beat was just in, boom, 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 and it was like, yo, just go off. And I just had a lot to say. Is there a, uh, if you looking back at the album and if you, everything you've written, is there uh, a lyric or maybe a verse that kind of well, one represents the album best to you, but two is that mm. it's kind of that 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 verse that you are still blown away that you've written? Uh, 
Because for me, wow, it's, that, it's, for me, it's every song. That <laughs> Thank you, man. That's why we're sitting here. I appreciate people who, who think like you do. Um, I like one time a lot. I mean, I love all the records. Uh, one time, um, you know, one time we was being followed by twelve, quoting "Ready to Die," so we was probably twelve. Boys pulled us over like we had product to sell. A week later, my man was popping with Krills. He said, "If they already assume I'm trying to deal." Then why not, though? Custy said, all I got, though. I had 116s written by how my block go. At 16, I needed room, so I forgot those. And it just keeps going. You know, fast forward 20 more, and where the top go is where that sit me. Where the who, you know, and it just keeps going. Um, That's some of my favorite work. I mean, because, like, all my music, all that stuff really happened. You know right. what I mean? So, like, you know me. You know that's the neighborhood I'm from, Biggie, St. James, the whole deal. And all you listened to was Ready to Die when it came out, because that was the neighborhood. Right. Like, that album is about my neighborhood. How you don't rock with? Of course you rock with that. It was blasphemy not to. So, you know, quoting ready to die. So we was some kind of. It's like if I'm having a conversation with you and I'm recalling the story. You know, one time we was being followed by twelve. Quoting ready to die. So we was probably twelve. The boys pulled us over like we had product for sale. You know, and I'm just telling the story. It's like if I was conversing with you. And it's um, kind of like um, not to cut you off, but yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah. like a. Um when I ice tea six in the morning tells a story, right? It's like it's much, very much like that. Yeah, just I'm just conversing. I'm just yo one time, yo one time we was being followed by twelve, right? Which is cops, you know, you know, quoting ready to die. So we was at the time, you know, we was walking on the block, we was singing ready to die. So we was probably like twelve, you know, if, yeah. if that's what was going. So that's how I'm telling the story, you know what right. I mean? And it just keeps going. And then when I said, you know, I had a hundred sixteens written by how my block go. Like, when I was a kid, I had so many rhymes on deck. I just had so many rhymes, you know. I had 116s up here because there was so much going on in my neighborhood and so much to talk about. I never ran out of things to talk. I had so much. And then I just, it's a play on words. I had 116s, and then at 16, I needed room, so I forgot those because so much more was happening in my neighborhood. So much more was going on in life. So much more was going on outside. I needed room for more. So it's just a play on words. Like, you know, I needed, and, and it's just a a wow. It's one of those. Like, it's one of, like, hmm, things that make you go home. It's one of those moments. Right, yeah. With that, you know, little section right there. Um, one Time is one of my favorite records, you know, featuring my man, my bro, uh, Raheem Devon. Um, I absolutely love Penny jerseys. I love all of them, but you know those are some of my favorite records. So as you mentioned, uh, ten years since your debut album. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of looking through your career, what has? It's my last question. What has surprised you most about yourself mm -hmm. as an artist? And then what surprised me most? Uh -huh. How do you continue yeah. to push yourself lyrically as yeah. an artist? Uh, pushing myself lyrically is just me wanting to just be great. Right. And, and I, I'm my own pressure. Like I don't need pressure from, yo, so-and-so dropped and it's crazy. Like that's awesome. But I don't, that doesn't, you know, of course you hear stuff and you'd be like, yo, I want to get in the studio. Not even because, yo, I gotta, I gotta beat that album just because dope art inspires dope art. So you're like, yo, like, you know, I, like when little brother album recently dropped, I remember listening to it and just like, yo, y'all want to go create because it was just so dope. So you want to go make some dope stuff. That's just how art and really having a love and passion for what you do works, you know, but I push myself lyrically. I, I want to one up myself. I want to be better than what I did. Like Retropolitan next joint. I, I want to smash that lyrically. Like that's, that's just always, the goal is going to always be to one up yourself. You know, for me, that that's the way I move. Um, and then the first question, I'm sorry. Uh, what has surprised you most? Oh, what's it surprised me? 
Um, hmm. Or did you even imagine, like, you started out 10 years later, you're still going to be doing this? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that because, and that's not a gloat. That's because I wanted to do this my whole life. But I'm not surprised at that. Um, the industry surprises me. Well, surprised. I'm not surprised anymore. But the industry surprised me. The business side surprised me. Things like that. Uh, but you learn those things quick. You know, you, you learn all that stuff quick and you adapt. And if you don't adapt, then that's on you. You know, you learn that stuff quickly and you adapt to it. So that stuff surprised me. I'm not surprised to still be making music because it's what I wanted to do since I was nine. You know, like I talked about on Celebration of Us, like it's really what I wanted to do my whole life. So I'm not surprised by that. No. Uh, new album just dropped. Yeah, Retro Retropolitan. Right now, Sky Zoo, Pete Rock, Pete Rock, Sky Zoo, Retropolitan. Mellow Music Group, and I want to shout out um, De Las Flores. It's a clothing line based out of out of New York, out of LES. And um, excuse me, the title for the album was actually inspired by them. Uh, they, one of their pieces they did, they did a hoodie that said Retropolitan on it, and they gave it to me. You know, you get product from different yeah. lines, and I know them very well, so they gave it to me. You know, just to rock and whatever, whatever. And when I was coming up, you know, I was putting the album together. I I was thinking of album titles and I always have album titles ahead of time. But with this one, I didn't really have a title and I had the hoodie on one day in January. And when we were making an album, and I looked down and it's just said retropolitan. And I was like, wow. I was like, well, all the things I want to talk about on this album and all the beats that I've just picked and where I want to go. It's all about the city. It's all about back then, but now, and it's all about the city and what's wrong with the city and what's been going on. And, being in love with the city, but at the same time wanting to wake the city up to like realize what's going on. It just spoke volumes, yeah. you know, a retropolitan. So I reached out to them and was like, yo, I'm about to name this album after that shirt. Like, is that cool? And they was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, full blessings. So I want to shout them out. You know, every chance I get, they've uh, been super supportive of, of the project and everything that's going on. And, you know, so yeah, the, the title was inspired by De Las Flores. So we're up. Uh, this guy's who, as always, it's great having you on the library with Tim Thank you. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you, man.